Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Naked Security Podcast. In fact, welcome back to the Naked Security Podcast. This is episode one of series three. Those of you who have listened before may recognize my voice. I'm Paul Ducklin. But for series three, I'm joined by two new co-presenters from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, Kimberly Trong. Hello, Kimberly. Hello. And Doug Armuth. Hi, Doug. Hi, I'm Doug from the product team here at Sophos, and you may recognize my voice from such videos as Don't Take the Bait, <laughs> Top Tips to Avoid Phishing Emails, and Sophos Wireless, APX Sitemap and Floor Plan. Happy to be here. <laughs> what a celebrity. That was quite thespian, Doug. I quite enjoyed that. The thing is, a floor plans and podcasts probably don't go too no, well together. this would be a terrible um, podcast. But, but <laughs> I'm going to hand back to Kimberly. Duck and Doug. Again, thank you for having me. We're going to struggle with that, Duck and Doug. I know, we're, we're going to struggle real hard. I was almost named Paul, which would have been easier because Paul goes by <laughs> Duck. So I would be Paul and he would be Duck. So. This is not confusing at think all to the listeners. No, this is this is quite <laughs> wild. It's I think if that had happened, but then what else would have changed if you go back and what is it? You go back and uh oh, back to the happen. future. You know, I've we're never seen that film, which I'm almost oh, ashamed okay. to admit. All right, we're going to pause the podcast, yeah. and Duck is going to go watch it, we'll and then we'll come right minutes. back. We'll be back in ninety minutes. We'll be back All right, welcome back. Okay, yeah, I saw it, guys. It was quite good. The car was <laughs> a bit of a go. letdown, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> No, they'll never take off. You don't see them around anymore. Look, as much as I want to talk about Back to the Future and how much I love it and how much people should watch it, I want to give you a quick preview for our very last segment of the Naked Security Podcast. We are going to do what I am calling an Oh No of the Week. It has to do with a person owning a company who is looking at things on his computer and the IT, the poor IT admin who has to struggle with uh, trying to get this person to stop looking at the things that he is looking at on his computer. So it saves a lot of time, Kimberly, if you just say porn. <laughs> it has to, to be, do to be quite clear <laughs> with porn. But before we get into that, we are going to break down some of the headlines. Doug. Hit me. What's happening? We're going to talk about three articles today that Paul wrote. The first one, it's Cybersecurity Awareness Month. If you connect it, protect it. Then we're going to talk about linkless phishing. What happens when phishers bring along their own web pages? And we'll talk about ransomware as a service, in particular, Reveal. But first, in comment purgatory, we find a comment that needs a ruling <laughs> on an older article titled, How to Turn Off Java in Your Browser and why you should do it now. So guys, help me figure this out. And I quote, By using a high level of self-esteem, you could live to your potential. Ask she or he to note of what she, he do in host to the counterproductive behaviors. It's pretty cerebral stuff there. Whoa. But Kim and Paul, is this a, is this a block or allow? <laughs> I think this speaks towards a very important concept, Douglas. And that is, if you run a blog... Do moderate your comments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, we get some strange stuff. By using a high level of self-esteem, you could live life to your potential. I get that. Hey, I'm, I support that. Where he lost me was ask she or he to note of what she he do in host to the counterproductive behaviors. That, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> we did have a bloke once who wrote to us, and I kid you not, 
uh, a, a genuine scammer offering to sell us part of his liver. <laughs> well, now I'm wondering if we should allow this comment just in case this person's in trouble. <laughs> no, this guy said he'd never smoked and, and or drunk alcohol, and he knew that you know you can take a bit of one person's liver and grow it in another's if you need a liver transplant, and for money he was prepared to do it. Send $100 or something. I'd like this person's information off the air, if you would. All right. Our first uh, article is called If You Connect It, Protect It. It's about Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And just to play devil's advocate, who cares? <laughs> I used to be in the media. Let me let, a little backstory. I was in the media for uh, about 10 years, and I'd get the – every month was like a – iPhone case awareness month and uh, this is uh, so like what are you trying to sell when I see these months but what is what is cybersecurity awareness month and why should we care I think this is a little bit different to your typical marketroidistic month Uh, it's all started if I'm not wrong in 2004 so this is the 17th year to some cynics that means it's it's getting on a little bit but it did start I think it was the US public service that started it so it doesn't have a we're not trying to sell anything that was just a, around the time that crooks had really figured out how to make loads of money out of malware it wasn't just deleting your files showing political messages playing stupid tunes or going ha 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 i hate society i got you like it was in the 1990s suddenly it was plain and simple about making money and lots of it so what were we going to do to to try and stop the crooks in their tracks so a cynic would say well, it's just the same old thing, and it's just people who don't have a lot to say, but they feel they can say the same old things year after year. So that's why you might not want to support something like CSAM Cybersecurity Awareness Month. The flip side is that there are still people. I like to think that it's 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 a minority, but possibly a significant minority still, sadly, who, to be honest, could still do with applying some of the advice that was given right back there in Cybersecurity Awareness Month number one in 2004. Many of us will know people, either friends or maybe even they may be relatives, who've been scammed, who fell for something that afterwards they thought, how could I fall for that? But they kind of just didn't know. This year, we decided to take a little bit of a different tack. So we're just putting it along these lines. Friends don't let friends get scammed. And that means there is a little bit of altruism here. You may think you've got cybersecurity sorted, but what about other people that, you know, you're the IT go-to person, you're the their sort of IT helpmate. Maybe there's something you can do for them because after all, if you protect them, then that indirectly protects you. Because if your friend or your mum or your cousin gets hacked, then the kind of data the crooks are going to get out of them probably includes stuff about you that you don't want the crooks to have either. What about those people like, you know, your your grandma, your grandpa? They're like, I don't have anything important. Who cares? What if I get hacked? Oh, he's just going to see all my, you know, grandkids photos on my computer. Actually, I think you might find that grandparents are likely to be much more sensitive towards their risks. They probably get it. They figure, well, I don't want the crooks getting at this personal thing, this personal data. I think it's maybe people are a little bit younger who figured, you know, I'm on social media. I love being on social media. I like sharing stuff. I don't have a lot of money. I got a debit card. So if the crooks get my card number, the most they can do is run my account down to zero, which will last them three pints of beer and then it's done. And I'll probably get my money back from the bank. I don't care. And anyway, the crooks aren't interested in little old me. 
That's the kind of argument that annoyingly you hear quite a lot. The fallacy there is there are crooks out there who are interested in anyone and everyone because there's a whole, if you like, niche in the cyber underground of crooks who they're not involved directly in ransomware or hacking. What they do is they steal data where they can and they sell it to the next guy. And your data counts. And if you think, all I've got is a social media password, so what? Well, if crooks get your social media password, they'll prob you'll probably find they're selling followers via your account. And you'll probably find that the reason they like to get social media accounts is they can contact all your friends and send you messages under your name, which your friends are much more likely to believe and click on than if they were just emails for anybody. So there is this sense, A, that the crooks are after you, even if you think you've got nothing, it's still worth something to the crooks and they'll go after it if they can. And B, that in cybersecurity, there is a sense that an injury to one is an injury to all. And you getting hacked doesn't just hurt you, it hurts everybody else as well. Well, first of all, that's some great that's some great knowledge right there. Second of all, apologies to grandma and grandpas everywhere. I did not mean to be disparaging. It is the young people who are ruining. No, I'm kidding. I'd like to, well, I'd like to remind everyone that there was an, there is an 82 year old that plays Skyrim and has her own YouTube channel, and I don't think she's getting scammed. <laughs> her name is Skyrim Grandma. <laughs> is there? Yeah, Shirley Curry, Skyrim Grandma. <laughs> sorry, sorry, grandmas. Oh, Kimberly, I think the truth of it is that there are going to be grandparents who are more at risk than their grandchildren because they may be a little bit newer to this, but there are also going to be younger people who are more at risk because they haven't learned, learned life's hard lessons yet. And I think the bottom line is that the crooks don't care. I think you could also make the case, too, that even if you have learned these hard lessons, even if you are savvy and you're here to help other people out, this is probably a good time once a year just as a reminder to maybe check up on things on your own end, on your backups or that your router's updated. You know, things you do once a year, like maybe change the smoke detector batteries or floss, you know, once yearly things. <laughs> <laughs> I only floss once a year. At the dentist. I, you were there, man. I, that's the last time I flossed, Mr. Dentist. <laughs> Actually, the, 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 the smoke alarm batteries is a... It's a great analogy there, Doug. Even if you just take Cybersecurity Awareness Month as a, a once-a-year incentive to go, let's look around the home, let's review all those things. And you gave great examples. If you've been making backups all year, have you practiced restoring them? So, yeah, it's a great idea to review what you're doing and make sure it's working correctly. Uh, more info at nakedsecurity.sophos.com. That article is called If You Connect It, Protect It, Read It, Comment. And I will point out, this is not your run-of-the-mill uh, a site full of articles that people comment on and it just goes into some abyss and no one ever responds and no one ever <laughs> reads them. If you comment even semi-coherently on Naked Security, there's a very good chance that Paul will respond. I will point this out. Just what I'm saying is Paul types a lot. He's very attentive. And if you comment, he will probably get back to you. I'm hoping this is a compliment. Yes. Um, and I shall it's take a it compliment. It's exhausting. It's a compliment. It, it's, Although uh, I worry... The, I worry that we're encouraging unhealthy habits in Duck's life by replying to comments at two o'clock in the yep. morning. I don't want to encourage you to do that, Duck. But if you know, if you want to reply to a comment with uh, all the gusto you have in you, I I'm all for it. 
I do get good night's sleeps. So don't fear about that. The, okay. Simply put, the idea of comment, the idea of comments are naked security. We do want it to be a community rather than just a website or worse still, just a blog. The idea is we want we want to know what people think. We want to know if we can help you. And very frequently, there'll be comments that I can't reply to because their statements are not questions which is somebody sharing their experiences when we've written about somebody who got scammed in a way like X, Y, Z. And when somebody comes along and says, look, I got scammed in a very similar way. This is how it went down. And this is what I did afterwards to protect myself once I learned my lesson. That is absolutely golden. And the people who are brave enough to put up comments like that, you, we thank you because you're really helping the next guy. Because A, you're making it real. And B, you're giving advice that actually worked for you in real life. That, yes. So you guys find us, find us nakedsecurity.sophos.com. Leave those comments. Clearly, Duck is going to reply maybe at 2 a.m. We don't know. Let's head into our next story, which is, Doug, where are we at? I just picture uh, Paul like Will Ferrell's character in Elf. How did you sleep last night? Great. I got a full 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) And still chipper. Still chipper and firing on all pistons. We love you, Duck. This is a compliment. Yes, it is. I'm uh, constantly amazed. I wish I could... I wish I could eke out even a thousand words a day about anything. Um, So uh, let's get serious. We're talking about serious security. This is an article about phishing without links. So basically, the backstory is we got we we got privy to two phishing campaigns: one that was sent in by a reader, and one that we got in our own inbox. And it were they were not your normal run-of-the-mill phishing attacks. What is the difference between this a typical phishing email versus the emails that we received? duck okay well i i I perhaps jokingly called this bring your own web page fishing like when you go to a restaurant that doesn't have a liquor license and you can byob (laughs) um this is the crooks byo web page and if you think about the a, a typical fish and you probably had hundreds or thousands in your life is that for the most part there are variations obviously they follow a fairly consistent theme you've got a message there's something dramatic you know there's some reason that you need to respond to it you know there's a courier delivery went awry or your bank account's in trouble whatever it is and typically there's a link and you click on the link and it takes you to a site that the crooks control and on that site is a facsimile of a genuine web login page. Maybe it might be Outlook.com or Gmail or something like that. And usually those clone pages, they're either close to perfect or perfect, except for the domain name, because the crooks basically just pirate the content of the original site. They take all the same images, the same text. They look pixel perfect in many cases. And then you put in your username and password. And if you're not thinking clearly and you click submit, then you're not uploading it to Microsoft or Google or whoever it is. You're uploading it to the crooks. That's the typical sequence, right? And in the middle of that, where the email arrives and there's a link, we've been telling people for years, and everybody is telling people for years, and it's fantastic advice, think before you click. Don't click dodgy links. And the idea is you hover over the link in the email. It shows you the domain you're going to. And if it's supposed to be an Outlook login, and you know that would be, say, Outlook.com or Live.com or Microsoft.com or whatever, and it says something like gondwanaland99.example.test slash weirdo.php, you know right away that there's no way that it's legitimate. 
so that's the kicker so here. That's we, that, that's what makes this yeah. so difficult is there's no dodgy link that users there's are no dodgy link. conditioned to not click right. on. And then once there's no URL, that's all weird and evil looking. Because the idea is that instead of having a link that takes you to a web site that the crooks control with a web page that the crooks control, they simply put the web page as an HTML attachment. Now, I know we also advise people don't open dodgy attachments, but these days it can be difficult to tell. Think about it. A lot of companies, well, they'll send attachments because they know people are worried about clicking on links. So although it's probably a bad idea to open a random HTML attachment from someone you don't know, it feels like it should be harmless. Except that some of the clues that you may have relied upon are suddenly absent. Okay, so if this isn't an actual website that you go to, then how how do they get your login details? Like, how does that whole process work? Because don't you need a website, I assume, to collect that data? You do, but the trick here is that when you click a link and go to a website that has the form on it, the form itself on the web page that collects your username and password and has the submit button, the form itself contains a URL, which is where the data goes when you click the button. So in fact, for the for the regular phishing campaign, there's an email, there's a link you click, and then there's a form you fill in. And when you click the submit button, there's, if you like, a second link that you implicitly click, which is where the data goes. So you still have that part. The point is, you've got a web page, but no web server. The web page is just sitting mm. around locally. It's got the form on it. The form has the URL, which is outside, which is where your username and password go. But here's the bad part. There isn't a mainstream browser, at least there isn't one that I know of. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but there isn't a mainstream browser that will not show you the destination of a link when you hover over it. And yet there isn't a mainstream browser that will show you the destination of your data when you hover over the submit button in a web form. The only way I know easily to see it for yourself, <laughs> we explain how to do it in nakedsecurity.softwares.com article, is you can actually use the developer tools in your browser, which will show you the raw HTML of the page. You can search for the text action, and that will show you any URLs that are associated with the forms you're filling in, and you'll actually be able to see the URL that they go to. But it's a rather roundabout process, and if only it were easier, we would be a little bit safer. Not that I'm looking to get into phishing, but <laughs> if I were, you know what I would do? <clears throat> I would copy the uh, marketing emails for like big name retailers, and I'd send them out to random people. I'd just blast them out. And I, the only thing I would change is the unsubscribe link. Because you know sometimes you get an email and you're like, I, just unsubscribe. But that unsubscribe link would send you to a page that said, enter your, email, your, your username and password to update your communication preferences. And that's where you steal. That's kind so of brilliant. Unsubscribe is the phishing link. This is going back a little time. I don't know. It must have been something. I don't know whether it was something I said on Naked Security. I, I Maybe it was. Um, but somebody decided it would be a fantastic wheeze to sign me up to thousands of mailing lists. <laughs> and, you know, eventually I decided I'm going to go through all the unsubscribes. I checked them out. I, I didn't go to any sites where the unsubscribe was actually dodgy. They were all legitimate sites. A lot of them were metro railway timetables. For big U.S. cities, they obviously, person obviously thought I'd be fascinated by railway timetables, <laughs> and I, I was. 
Well, they're more interesting than you think, but not so interesting <laughs> that I actually want to read. You want an email? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But what I notice, a lot of those unsubscribe links, which is really annoying, is that because they're presumably they're done by some third-party company that's got a million pots on the boil at the same time, is they actually do ask you to confirm your email address, and then you type it in, and then they unsubscribe you. And it does actually work, and I have got off all of those lists. But actually, this idea that you click unsubscribe, and then suddenly you're faced with a web form, because I wouldn't have put in my password. But I was kind of thinking, why are they asking for my email address Sadly, there are still legitimate email services that work that way where unsubscribe does take you to a form and where you might be in high dudgeon enough that you're willing to fill it in because you think you're benefiting yourself. So unfortunately, your scam is not a far-fetched one. So be careful out there, folks. Think before you click. And uh, if in doubt, don't give it out for sure. I said I was sorry for signing you up for all those, and I thought we were not <laughs> going to talk about it on air. Anyway, what can be done uh, in this, the case of these linkless uh, phishing things? Is it as simple as just saying just don't open HTML doc, uh, attachments? That is actually my the, the top tip on my list, Doug. I, there's no reason why somebody shouldn't send you an HTML attachment any more than they, you know, that, they, that they shouldn't send you a PDF or a doc or a spreadsheet. And we do that to each other all the time. Now, I, you know, I work in, in publishing stuff on the web, work with web content a lot, work with uh, web-based threat research. So if anyone's likely to receive an HTML email, an attachment for somebody who actually means to send it to me, I think I'd be that person. And I can't ever remember actually receiving one that when I looked at it was not a crook trying to do harm to me. So my advice, yeah, is just simply don't open HTML attachments, end of. And if, the, if it was someone you know, and they really need to send you an HTML file, they'll probably find a better way to do it. Some other things that you can do in general, you know, we say if you've clicked a link in an email and then you end up on a login page, don't. And so let's extend that. If you've been reading an email and as a result of something of acting on instructions in the email, whether it's clicking a link, opening an attachment, or even typing in a URL yourself that the email gave you, and you reach a login page, don't log in. Because after all, if it's a service that you actually use and you genuinely have an account on, you should know how to get to that page yourself. Of course, use two-factor authentication if you can, is tip number three, because that's those one-time codes that you get. That means that if the crooks get your, do get your password, and you don't want them to get your password, so go out of your way to prevent that happening. But if they do get your password, it's not enough on its own. The fourth thing is, if you do make a mistake, if you do put in your password or your credit card number or anything like that on a site and afterwards you realize, oh dear, I'm sure I've made a mistake, act immediately. Find your own way to the real site or phone up your bank using the phone number on the back of your credit card, report the problem, change your password or get your card cancelled as soon as you can because the quicker you act, the less time the crooks have to sell the data on and abuse it. And lastly, if you're going looking for a, a, a security product, like say what we traditionally call an antivirus, look for something that includes web filtering as well as just malware blocking. Because the problem with phishing attacks is there's no malware involved. The crooks aren't trying to take bad stuff and implant it onto your computer from the outside. What they're trying to do is they're trying to trick you into taking good stuff and letting it out of your network. And a web filter can stop you going to bad places on the internet in the first place, which keeps you one step further out of harm's way. 
All right. That's uh, nakedsecurity.sophos.com. That article is called Serious Security, Fishing Without Links, When Fishers Bring Along Their Own Web Pages. And for those of you keeping score, Paul's latest comment on that one is 2.01 in the AM. <laughs> Let's move along to our final story. We're talking about Reveal. So, I again, now that my fishing dreams are dashed, uh, <laughs> I really like – I don't like, but I, I think it's brilliant, the idea of ransomware as a service. Someone like me, who's not super technical – can go just to it's just like going to an app store like i've gone to the the satan ransomware and just created my own ransomware it took about 30 seconds so it's just like an app store for but for criminals they supply the ransomware for you they help you distribute it they correct they collect any ransom from any suckers that clicked on the links that you set out or the the uh, executables they sent out and they take a 30 percent cut you get the money and it's like it's a little too easy so uh is that kind of what's is that how it works paul pretty much uh, you know, the, yeah, I think Satan, you can see Satan, reveal, you, you can see the theme here. Um, I think Satan was the first, the first one that, that really hit the headlines. And as you say, I, I've, I've gone to their site as well. You know, you need an email address to sign up, as I remember. And then, as you say, they, they generate a brand new ransomware sample unique to you. Do you, do you want us to make you help you make a booby trapped document or would you like a booby trapped web page and it's just terribly easy and i guess the idea is that the crooks just copied that 30% you know what what should we charge well let's go with what people know and app store google play store they work on a 30% principle and so it means the crooks don't have to do any hacking to implant the ransomware They've got these affiliates who are earning a whopping 70% commission, if, if you can call it that. And the crooks are sort of staying in the background. So they've got a whole bunch of people taking risks in return for potentially big rewards, doing the hacking, implanting the malware, wandering around your network, trying to hack your security software, getting the ransomware ready, knowing that you know the, the bigger the attack, the more money they'll make. So the more affiliates the crooks get, they get 30% of every single attack. It's quite I mean, a terrifying process. That sounds kind of lucrative. Say I'm like Doug, and I'm gonna leave my job for <laughs> and applying for one of these gigs, working for a ransomware. It's not as exciting. <laughs> it's not as exciting as as doing what you do now. Probably you? not. But I think it's, but say it's probably it probably is quite dull. But <laughs> when you look at the ransoms these guys are asking these days, where they're, you know, they're not just 300 First, they were $300. Mm. Then they were $1,000. Mm. Then they were $2,500. Then they were $50,000. The highest I've heard of asked, but fortunately not paid, eight digits, $10 million. A lot of arrogance there, isn't there? And I thought you were trying to talk me out of going into this business, but now the... the <laughs> It sounds like the dollar signs are going up. That's the problem, isn't it? And you don't have to learn how to write malware. You don't have to learn how to code in C or assembly. See, or C++. I'm perfect for this. Okay, you need some hacking skills, though. So right. You need to what are the, what are the hacking networks. skills? Right. And apparently, they said I need to be I need to be a skilled hacker at penetration testing. But what exactly what exactly do they need that for? Yeah. So this is this isn't the Satan run. So this is as, as Doug said, Reville. The idea of a legitimate penetration tester is you break into your own network so you know where the holes are. Of course, a crook, you do exactly the same thing. You break into the network and then you release the ransomware, which the, the Reveal guys have created for you. So those, ten, those big ransoms, you know, we've heard recently of companies paying four or five million dollars actually being paid, genuinely, provably having paid to the crooks. 
if you're wondering where that money goes it's not just going into flash sports cars that these guys are buying although apparently seems that a lot of cyber criminals do like the fancy bling in cars the reveal guys dropped it seems one million dollars worth of bitcoins into a if you like a sort of community funding bucket that to prove that they really did have the money to pay for these hackers to come on board join the affiliate program if you've got the right skills and they're asking for skills in metasploit foundation metasploit is a legitimate tool that's designed for penetration testing but of course it can be used by the bad guys for penetration testing where you aren't aiming to disclose the vulnerabilities afterwards, except through releasing ransomware. Metasploit has a free and a paid version. They're looking for skills with Cobalt Strike. That's another, well, it's a legitimate program. It costs quite a lot of money. I don't think, I think the crooks just rip it off. I don't, they could probably afford to pay for it, but my understanding is generally they don't. They're looking for skills in a, in a, this is an open source one called Coadic. Uh, that's a kind of exploit slash rootkit tool for Windows to help you break into networks. All of these, at least in theory, they're legitimate tools. But of course, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Interestingly, these crooks also want you to have skills with NAS and tape. NAS, of course, is short for network attached storage. Huh. So they're actually they're actually looking for backup experts. <laughs> that's great. And you kind of think, hang on, aren't they anti-backup? And that's unfortunately exactly that's what the they're point. after. In a lot of modern ransomware attacks, the crooks are in your network. They don't release the ransomware right away. They look around, they map out your network, they find out where your high-value servers are, they find out what databases you're using, and they definitely go looking for any online backup systems that you've got. And just before they release the ransomware, they wipe out your backups. So then when they ask you for the $4 million and you go, ha ha ha, you won't fool me, I've got backup, oh dear, where's it gone? So they're actually looking for people with backup skills to use for anti-backup purposes. So sadly, they're looking for the same skills that a lot of legitimate companies, IT departments are looking for right now. They just don't have quite the same goals. Right. So a question I'm sure you get all the time, Paul. What should you do if you get hit by ransomware? Should you pay? To pay or not to pay? That is the question. Yes, that is indeed almost a burning question, isn't it? Certainly burning a hole in your budget. I've always taken the opinion that if somebody decides that they need to pay, I'm not going to stand in judgment of them. There are those who say, oh, if you pay, you're evil yourself and you, you know, they're absolutely against it and they think it should be made illegal to pay and you should get into all kinds of trouble. It's easy to say if you're not the person whose business has ground to a halt. And remember that, as I mentioned before, these days, the crooks, they haven't just scrambled your data and wiped out your backup so that you're going to struggle to get your business moving again. Typically these days, they also steal all the cool files they can find first. And then they say, if you pay, A, we will give you the decryption keys so you can get your business moving again quickly. And B, we promise scouts honor we will delete the data and we will not allow it to fall into the hands of the regulator slash media slash customers slash salacious websites it's easy to see why somebody might be in a position where their business will simply implode and they have to sack all their staff they'll literally lose everything if they don't pay in which case it's a kind of a, a necessary evil 
On the other hand, my opinion is if you do say to the crooks, take a hike, no way, I'm not going to pay, then I absolutely salute you. And the more companies, particularly big companies, the kind of companies that could afford to pay $4 million ransoms, the more that say, no, we're going to take it on the chin. And sadly, it means maybe our customers will have to take it on the chin as well. I wouldn't like to have my data breached by a company that got hit by ransomware through some what you might call a little bit of carelessness on their own part. But I would be much more inclined to forgive them about that data breach, just knowing that it happened and why it had happened, than thinking that they'd basically paid some crooks for a promise that, well, we will delete the data and there won't be a breach down the line. So I do salute you if you decide that you are not going to pay. And even though you may be in trouble with the regulators, you will have had a data breach. I still think you're doing a a good job for the rest of us because you're making it less lucrative for the crooks. And as we know from this Reval, the, the Reval article that we wrote on Naked Security, we know that not all the money is going in fancy sports cars. We know that in this case, $1 million of the latest ransom went straight back into, invested right back in the business, hiring the next wave of hackers. A million dollars in Bitcoins, pre-invested. They have no choice but to spend them now because they can't get them back from the underground forum. God, I wish there was a poem about this that I could easily remember off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, me too. It's too bad that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, who 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 would write who would write who would write poems, verses, rhyming rhyming couplets, doggerel about cybersecurity? So can't uh, think of anybody. If you get hit by ransomware, it means you've had a breach. The world might get judgmental and want to point and screech, but if, despite the blackmail threats, you tell the crooks, "Oh no," then I'll give you a big loud cheer and say to you, "Chapeau." Chapeau to you. Good job. That was awesome. Lift of hat. Yeah, if it... <laughs> Whoa, golly, that's... I was snapping. I was doing a peaceful snap, and then Doug came in with the air horn. But, hey, here's our oh no. As a social media community manager here at Sophos, one of the communities that I really love is called Spiceworks. And uh, check it out, community.spiceworks.com. Really great community. Someone posted this in the community, and I could not not talk about this on the podcast. So anyway, here we go. Warcraft in the Spiceworks community recently wrote, we have a client user slash owner of a company that has had multiple issues. We clean up his system and he keeps going back to porn sites. He does this while working remotely at home. We have everything blocked via the corporate firewall at the office. If we turn up the setting to block these sites and such, then there is pushback. Not directly that the user cannot get to the sites, but other things. When we loosen the restrictions, there are no complaints. We have found over 100 bookmarked porn videos. If these are not deleted, and it is still in the browser, can it still cause malware and spyware? The user got very upset, said we deleted some of his bookmarks, not citing the obvious since the porn site bookmarks were the only ones we deleted. How would you approach stopping this from happening? Oh, boy. Uh, Oh, Warcraft. Warcraft. uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I unfortunately have some experience with this. Careful, careful. Okay, let me, <laughs> let me qualify that. Yeah, which is your experience? Let's back it up here. <laughs> Side back up the yeah. truck. 
being the IT guy, yes, right? Yes, thank you. I used to yes, have okay. a, be a managed service provider, and uh, I had a, a very similar client that just – I was in there all the time. It was the son of the owner of the company who – the son worked there, and it was just constant it, – it's, it's like – this is the reason you have adware and spyware all over your machines and propagating throughout the, the network. So I would go in there all the time. Okay, eventually I got fired because they were like, why is he here all the time? Why are we paying this guy if he can't clean this stuff up? And so my advice to this person is sometimes you learn a hard lesson that is you, you gotta, sometimes you got to fire clients because it's not worth it. Or, or yourself, you yourself will eventually get fired. Mm. And let me tell you, it'll be a relief. You'll be you'll be ultimately better off. In similar instances like these, I'm I'm not I'm not not proud of this, but I guess I'm not proud of uh, not being completely honest with a client. But I would say something like, you know, I'm assuming this the the client isn't like super savvy. I would say something like, listen, I, I we found in this pool of bookmarks from all the computers in your company, <laughs> which is anonymous. We don't know where it's coming from, that someone in your company is looking at porn sites and that's what's screwing everything up. And it's just this big pool of bookmarks. We don't know where it's coming from. Now we can look into it if you want. We can track it down to the user, but that is what's causing all these problems. And generally that that personal, you know, that client will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's, um, we, let's not look into it, but I'll have a talk with people. And <laughs> so uh, my advice would be to drop this client, maybe first or maybe first try, you know, the this white lie about this pool of bookmarks. No good can come of this ultimately, unless you fire this client or really get to the root of the problem. But whatever mm. you do, don't be upfront with them and say, <laughs> it's hey, you. let's have an... <laughs> Let's have an adult conversation about the, the porn sites. You want to really sidestep around this like I did. <laughs> right. Or just leave. Give up. Yeah. Don't judge me wrongly on this. It's almost like the the porn is almost an unimportant part to mm. you. The problem is that this guy has a situation where it's do as I say, not as I yeah. do. And he's the CEO. And he keeps performing this particular behavior. Now, it doesn't have to be porn. It could be something else that he does. But... Every time he does it, bad stuff gets back into the network. And we, we know from talking about these Revil guys making millions of dollars a time, why crooks love to get into your network. And whether they get it on the back of you downloading malware from a porn site or opening a phishing email, they don't care. But the problem here is you think that a company, if you're the CEO or top executive in a company, you've probably heard of a thing called business email compromise. That's a scam where the crooks figure out the email password of one of your senior staffers. So they get inside that person's email account and then they behave like that person and they, they're not saying, hey, check this site and when you go there, you're rickrolled or it's a porn site or they're not trying to shock you. They're saying, we changed our bank account. You need to send the money here or there or whatever. The alternative name for this fraud is CEO fraud or CFO fraud. It's not called junior guy who runs the lathe fraud. <laughs> <laughs> because the crooks absolutely after being able to get into the accounts of senior people in companies, small, medium and large, because if you are the crook and you can pretend to be the CEO or the CFO from the CEO's own email account, who is going to say no? Yeah. Yeah. The emails don't just look like they come from the CEO. They do come from the CEO. And the other thing is when the crooks are doing this crime, 
They're reading your email before you do. Mm. When somebody emails you back saying, hey, I think there's a crook in your email, they'll delete that email. You'll never even see it. Oof. If someone mails you back and said, I'm a little suspicious about this payment going to this new account because the bank the bank seems to be in a different country, they'll get a nice email that says, oh, no, actually, we've decided to move to offshore banking for this particular customer at their request. And then, of course, when the crooks have sent emails from your account, they go into your sent box and delete them so you don't know the emails that you did send. I think to this guy's... The, to his technical, the technical part of his question is just having these bookmarks there present. Is that going to cause spyware, viruses, or malware? The answer to that is probably no, but it's not good. It's going to cause the guy to keep going yeah. back there and yeah. Yeah, opening them could and will. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right, Doug. If this guy doesn't want to change his behavior, then he's going to be the kind of guy that the crooks are going to gear. You know what? This is easy. Yep. Get him a, really get him a Chromebook. That. <laughs> you heard it here, Warcraft. You got a few options. A, fire the fire the client. <laughs> yep. B, educate the client without pointing out the fact that it's clearly him who's looking at the porn. Or C, get him a Chromebook. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> or my solution was you just basically scare them with. Yeah, or yeah, or you know, scare it, it, them. If you just keep getting malware that you could so easily avoid, and you're bringing it in in violation of your own rules for your own company. Like, how can it end well? Mm. Speaking of ending well. Let's end this thing. Oh, I see what you did there. No, <laughs> that was superb. <laughs> that was superb. Love your work. Guys, if you like what you heard, you can find us at nakedsecurity.sophos.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Naked Security. Find us, add us. DM us if you have a story, and oh no, I want to hear about it. You can submit to us also via tips at sophos.com. And you can also submit any kind of story if you have a cybersecurity story. Or, uh, for example, we had one of the phishing stories. One of the phishing emails came directly from a reader, right? So we want to hear That's from correct. you. That's oh, correct. And by the way, Kimberly, you when you comment on Naked Security... You may remain anonymous if you wish. That's right. And Duck will respond potentially at 2 a.m. to his detriment. But Hundreds of words. <laughs> or a, your a detriment. dizzying array of words coming right at you. <laughs> you know where to find us. Again, nakedsecurity.sophos.com where you can check out all these stories. Until next time, stay, stay secure. secure.